stretch. This is a later recording than usual. Okay, here we go. Welcome to episode 335 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, you got it right that time. I'm so proud of you. First try. Nailed it. Yeah, uh, I was practicing all week long, just kind of in my head, like (laughs) in meetings, uh, falling asleep, but just kind of recited just to make sure I never biffed it again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The stakes are high, my friend. The stakes are very high. Uh, I received death threats from last week's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> misspeak just kidding i did not no our, our listeners are very kind to us <laughs> they're very kind and sweet uh speaking of which we have some new supporters this week huge shout out to new patrons very important pixels on our patreon guarong a lot dennis cortez grove killin and td and last but not least Connolly raider i think that's the right pronunciation raider or ratter if it's Radder, that's Rad. If it's Raider, that's also Rad. <laughs> yes. So thanks, Connolly. Uh, if you don't know we're a listener-supported show, you can go to patreon.com slash design details. And for just a dollar a month, you get access to bonus land. Bonus, bonus land. Bonus, bonus land. Episodes, as well as a sponsor-free private RSS feed. So thank you to everyone who's supporting the show. We also have support this week from Sisu. Sisu is looking for a thoughtful and data-savvy designer to help them build the next generation of analytics software. You can find out more at sisu.ai. That's S-I-S-U dot A-I. We're also supported this week by PathRise. PathRise is an online mentorship program that helps you land a great UX job. Previous fellows have been placed at Google, IBM, Atlassian, and other exciting companies. You can learn more at pathrise.com slash details. All right, Marshall, we got a new iTunes review. It's been a long, long time. In fact, I'm rubbing my hands together, Brian. I think think the iTunes, the new podcast app, the reviews are in order, but the dates are so spread out, I thought that they weren't in order. Like, that's how long it's been since we've gotten a new review. You, You opened up the iTunes page and moths flew out. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, this one comes from, I think, Connolly, Raider, or Ratter, uh, based on the iTunes username here. Five-star review. Oh, yeah. Big move. Says, as a UX team of one, the design space can feel isolating at times. Marshall and Brian make that go away. Oh. Oh. Their insightful commentary on various design challenges, engagement with the design community, and support of the industry makes this a can't miss for me. They also make it super easy to interact with the pod and bring cool things to try out every episode. Parenthetical, thanks for Tonic, which was our cool thing uh, that friend of the pod, Gabe Valdivia, made. Uh, Tonic, the privacy-first app for finding great things to read on the internet. Uh, Anyways, can't recommend enough, and then the 100 emoji. (laughs) Well, I can't recommend this iTunes review enough, so five stars for your five stars. Thank you. All right, we also have some follow-up. So speaking of merch, which I know I'm behind on everybody, but I'm in the middle of a move. Uh, We'll get there. Thank you for the patience, everybody. But we got this tweet from Elias Julian, who said, uh, TBH, I would pay good money for some design details merch that says, you're a beautiful, powerful centaur. I like that. 
Is that a reference to something? It's from our episode where it's Death of the Designer Unicorn. And we were talking about how like it's not possible to be a unicorn anymore, but there must be a halfway point. And we said a beautiful, powerful centaur. Amazing. So just imagine, here's what I'm picturing in my head, is like that label, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's paired with this really like whimsical, fun, cute illustration of maybe like a centaur that has kind of skinny arms, like not very strong, but is like really proud of itself. It's like confident, you know, like you're beautiful and powerful, even though maybe you're not like super muscular or something. <laughs> or it has like the cardboard, uh, the paper towel roll horn like, <laughs> duct tape to its forehead. <laughs> I think you have a seed of a good idea there, Brian. Okay. Thanks, Elias, for the suggestion. Merch, TBD. All right. Uh, This is actual follow-up. This one's from Eric Bro. Eric says, just listen to episode 334 about key lines and scannable designs. Regarding spacer constants, do you use t-shirt sizings, like small, medium, large, or do you do something else to name those? Uh, That's a good question. The the way it's been propagating on the web is to have an array of numbers where, you know, the first value be zero and then four and then eight, and to access the eight pixels, you would say, you know, spacers and then use JavaScript bracket notation two, right? Like the second, or I guess in this case, the third item in the array. Hey, zero first. Which honestly is also confusing, but at least you can memorize the system and be like, yeah, I remember like there's this sort of size thing that exists there. Um, And then you're not naming things specific to the value that it corresponds to but somehow it feels more like accessible than small, medium, large. I, I don't know. I could go either way on this. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Small, medium, large, like as a constant names, you know, that that would be a lot easier to read than, you know, square bracket, zero, square bracket, whatever. Yeah, I'm thinking there's also another way, which is you just don't have spacer constants. Like, I think for the GitHub iOS app, we just have a function called grid or space or something, and it accepts a number and it returns that number times four. So if you're laying out your button component, you would give it top and bottom space two, and then left and right, maybe space three or something like that. And then we know that our baseline is always going to be some division of four. Like that's basically as small as we go. And to do anything custom, we have to be very intentional of breaking that function, right? Yeah, I I guess I personally, I just have an internalized thing. Like I don't um, canonize it anywhere other than in my brain as I'm as I'm doing stuff. But usually I, I refer to them mentally as like, yeah, kind of small, medium, large. But typically I think of them as their constant values because I've just, you know, one of the first things I decide is the grid. Um, the grid. I wish we could like splice in some fucking Tron 2 soundtrack shit in here right now. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. The grid. All right. Well, I guess we're halfway helpful here because I feel like we dodged the question a little bit. But I, I think that's our answer is like, well, having a name for the spacer is could be more awkward than it's worth. Like you could just say, Here's our grid. Here's the measurements that sit along that grid. And on a per component basis, we just define how many pixels of padding there are. Yeah. Long story short for me, I, I like the t-shirt size thing. Oh, like, okay. Figure out what your medium is and then go as far either direction with L's and XXL's and XSS's yeah. um, in either direction. Uh, it's all hard to remember, I think. But yeah. 
So that was it for follow-up. Let's read some tweets. I'll do this first one. Uh, this one first comes from Peter Reaper Reynolds. Buddy with the cadence. Who uh, became a VIP last week. Says, whoa, thanks for the shout-out in this episode. Uh, it's extra special because this is the first time I've heard my name read out in public since I took my wife's surname a few months ago. Hey. All the credit for this nice cadence goes to her. <laughs> uh, well, that's super cool. Thanks for, for the shout and thanks again for supporting the podcast, Peter. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, man. And also tell your wife cool name. All right, this next tweet comes from Manny. Manny, yeah. All right, uh, Manny says, since design details talked about movies, did you guys watch Birds of Prey? The color explosions in that movie are amazing and kick-ass action scenes. Uh, Manny, I haven't seen it. I, don't, I didn't know that anybody saw it, to be honest. I haven't I seen it nor heard of it, except now it's popping up in my timeline. So... Is it on Netflix? Uh, no, it's in the theaters. But the the thing, this is the new Harley Quinn movie, right? And oh. I think that's what he's referring to. And yeah, those are very colorful films. And I, I think that's a cool direction that they went. It's kind of like, you know, Thor Ragnarok, like neon. Mm. Everything's everything's mm-hmm. like super exaggerated color. I think there's bigger problems with that movie because it was called Birds of Prey and then nobody knew what it was called. And then at the last second, they changed it to like, Birds of Prey, colon, Harley Quinn's something, something, something. Just sort of like, hey, you know Harley Quinn? That's a name you recognize. Come see our movie, please, oh God. And I don't think it did very well at the box office. So maybe I'll, I'll probably rent it when it comes out on iTunes for sure. There you go. This next week comes from, oh my God, third shout out, uh, Connolly Raider, who oh says, my gosh. best decision I made today became a supporter of Design Details. Thank okay. you, Connolly. All right, all right, yeah, all right. Okay, three three That's reads enough. on the episode. Okay. You've uh, overstayed your welcome. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. All right, next up from Greg Danford. Greg says, "Hey, been catching up on some back episodes, specifically episode three nineteen. Took your advice to go see Parasite Blind. Man, what a ride! Still got anxiety two hours later. Thanks. I think great <laughs> podcast. By the way, we hooked another one, Brian. Yes, this is." I think that might be the most mentioned recommendation we've had. Yeah, which I'm personally offended by because it wasn't one of mine, and no one's yeah. ever talked about the cool things. That I've, anyways, whatever. Everyone only talks about your cool things. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is my uh, point of pride. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it. Parasite, so good. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, we also heard this week from Phoebe Hoagland, who says, Hi, hi, can you remind me of the YouTube channel you mentioned a while ago where they Guy fixes the plots of movies, mostly Marvel, I think. I sub- I thought I subscribed, but I can't find it. Thank you. Uh, just wanted to shout out Nando V Movies again yeah. because yeah. Nando's been just doing some great content lately with all sorts of, uh, I guess, kind of like circling around some Marvel stuff. Like we got a couple of videos about The Rise of Skywalker and uh, is a great channel. So if anyone's missed that, that was a cool thing a long time ago. But Nando V Movies is a great channel to follow on YouTube. Yes, sir. All right, final tweet comes from Bawin J, who says, the Design Details podcast has become my daily commute podcast. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, what other podcasts do you guys listen to related to product and design? And I have two that I listen to regularly. The first is Layout FM, which is uh, Rafa and Kevin's on the Spec Network. Our sister podcast. And then the other one that I've been really enjoying is Design Life. It's uh, designlife.fm. I think this might have been my cool thing uh, several episodes ago, but uh, this one's hosted by Charlie Prangley and Femke van Schoonhoven. I think if I'm getting that pronunciation somewhat close. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, they've been doing some great content. In fact, I wanted to call out one episode recently that was really good was episode 176. They talked about 
implementation issues between design and development. And I think that came out maybe a week after our episode about developer handoff. And the reason I was excited about theirs is like you and I were talking about like redlining and like handing off specs. And I think that's a valid part of the conversation, but they dug more into like what happens when you show an engineer a design and they're like, I can't build that or I don't know how to build that or that's technically a stretch, right? Like, so that was that was fun. So, anyways, uh, I would recommend those two. Do you have any other design podcasts? You oh to? yes, I do, Brian. I have Ooh. at least one worth okay. recommending. Uh, it's not okay. This is kind of design tangential, I guess. But that you know, the the focus is always design, but it isn't just UI design. Uh, design in the broader sense. Ninety nine percent invisible is an amazing podcast. Uh, it's been going on for years and years. Huge backlog. If you want to get started and you haven't listened to the podcast before, I'd highly recommend uh, the guy who does it, Roman Mars. He did a TED Talk about vexillology, which is the study of flags. And he kind of produced it live the way his show sounds with little interstitial sound bits and everything he did with a board on stage and everything. is really impressive. But also it's a really good TED Talk, and that's kind of what all of his episodes are like. 99% Invisible. Highly recommend it. Do you have any others? Uh, Here, you think about it. I have one more I forgot. I've been listening recently to New Layer, which is a podcast by Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel, who both used to work at Facebook. I, I only got to meet Jasmine once. I don't know that I met Tanner. But... In particular, what I've been enjoying is they had like this streak of episodes. One was about IC versus management, like thinking about career paths. And then they had another episode a while ago about the growth path for a senior designer. Like once you hit senior at the IC level, how do you keep going? Like what's next? What does the industry want you to do? What should you be learning, thinking about? Uh, So that's another one that I've been enjoying. But otherwise, I'm mostly not listening to design podcasts. Okay, we are deep into this episode. We've just gotten through follow-up tweets. Um, Let me do a tiny bit of self-serving news and then we'll get into a lister question, all right? Okay. Um, So the only news this week, yeah, I'm always like nervous to talk about my own stuff on the show. But anyways, this one seems, people seem to be enjoying this one, at least if Twitter is any indication of, of feedback. So I open sourced a new plugin that, populates your figma files with data from github uh we published it to our github org this week um i use it a lot i don't know how much the rest of the team will use it but i found it super helpful but i thought it was time to open source it for anyone who wants to do something similar at their org like oh we need data from our specific api so for what it's worth uh that's on my github if you want to go check out how that all works and then i tweeted a video this week of of how it works in practice. And it makes it really nice to generate lists of things with real data. And then when you pair it with auto layout, oh my God, <laughs> it's so fast. I love it. Well, that that's a cool thing before cool things, Brian, but let's, uh, let's get into a uh, listener question here. This is a good listener question. It's a doozy. This is a doozy. We had to think about this one for a while. So this listener question comes through our uh, GitHub, which is at github.com slash specfn. This one comes from uh, someone with the name Kel Yes. I'm guessing their name is Kelly or something, but Kel Yes sounds like Hell Yes. So yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. All right. Kel Yes says, hey, I love the podcast, but I'm writing in about upward feedback. 
I'm a designer fresh out of college that works on a very small team, and I struggle with knowing when and how to give upward feedback. I will see things in designs that do not look right and call it out, but sometimes it feels like I'm not being heard, brushed aside, or often the senior designer will push back on the feedback. When they push back, the conversation comes to a standstill. It's like we're in a desert, eyeing each other with our hands near our waist belts, waiting for the other to pull the gun first. <whistles> yes, that's what I wanted you to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you push back against pushback? Should you? How do you end a feedback loop that is going badly? If your senior designers are not listening, what should you do? How can you bring it up that it feels like they're not taking my opinion seriously without saying it like that? So, Marshall, loosely, how does one give upward feedback to an IC, not to a manager? How do you navigate this? Hmm. Okay. So we talked about this quite a bit before the episode. And one thing that develops late in the conversation that I think we should probably say early in this conversation is this advice is applicable to both feedback going up and feedback going down. This is as as we're defining things, we're like, well, that, that's the same way you would do it if you're telling an IC below you, whatever. So this is just good ways to talk to people about stuff at work, maybe. Yeah, this is more of like an organizational, like cultural kind of issue, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we came up with, I don't know, we could call this different scenarios or in my head I'm picturing a matrix of things that might change how you approach the situation that you're in. So I can imagine that your approach is different based on sort of who you are and your context as the person giving the feedback. It could also change based on who you're giving the feedback to. Probably on the other side of the this matrix would be like, what is the work that's being reviewed, right? Like, Is this an early stage product feedback? Is it late stage visual feedback? Uh, Are you drilling in at the fidelity that they wanted feedback on? Like, did they ask for product feedback and you're giving visual? Mm. So yeah, there's like this, there's the person side and then there's the work side. And you could probably figure out maybe a slightly different strategy at at each intersection of those rows and columns. If that sort of makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a matrix. But, But I think we came up with like one approach that, works for most scenarios i think yeah do you want to talk about this one yeah uh brian have you heard of the socratic method i have it sounds so fancy uh but really it's kind of simple you might have heard of it but i will tell you what it is right now according to wikipedia the socratic method is a form of cooperative argumentative dialogue between individuals based on asking and answering questions to stimulate critical thinking and to draw out ideas and underlying presuppositions. Okay, so to 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 break that down and say it more simply, it's like asking someone to walk you through their thought process and asking them questions along the way that helps them explain to you what they were thinking and also think about think through what they were thinking themselves. And uh, I think a lot of times this is used maybe aggressively, right? As like, this person's an idiot. I'm going to use a Socratic method to like basically have them walk through why they're such an idiot (laughs) for me, (laughs) Uh right? I'm going to ask them questions that systematically prove that they're an idiot. That's not what we're talking about here. Well, maybe maybe it would work, but (laughs) mostly what we're talking about here is the opportunity for that other person to answer questions that you ask of them because some of their answers might surprise you, Brian. <laughs> they you might, might not be... just learn something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't tell you how many times 
there has been a decision made that I was a part of, that if I hadn't been a part of that decision that was made based on all of the constraints and all of the time and everything, all, everything that was involved in that decision, if I didn't know what was going on, I'd be like, these people who made this decision are the biggest idiots ever. <laughs> yeah. And then you became one of those people and you're like, oh, I get it. I see. I see. <laughs> I, see. I see. Hey, I see. Individual contributor. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have an example? Not as extreme as what I was just talking about, but like, okay, yeah, I can I can tell a story of, of something that happened recently. I'll keep it vague. But there was um, some work that had been done, and I noticed some issues with it. And I approached them, and I, I showed up with, you know, a deck of all of my issues, saying with each slide being like, here's what I see wrong, and here's why I think it's wrong. And also, I recreated all of the work they had done the way I would do it separately, not messing up their thing, but like basically I did all the work, right, to try and like prove out my idea, both for myself and for them if it was successful. Because if I was wrong in the things that I was thinking and the issues that I saw, then I never would have showed them anything, right? So I walked them through the deck, and what was really interesting is that by the end of the meeting, at least half of the things that I had an issue with were very reasonably validly explained by circumstances or decisions that have been made by other people or whatever. There was there was a lot of stuff that was like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's cool. I probably would have made the same decision, right? And there were still some issues and, and we we worked on those things. But the the cool thing is that now that feedback loop has turned into a situation where I in the future will be helping work on that product. So like my my passion for it and my interest in it is turned into me becoming a collaborator on it and it wasn't a negative thing it wasn't a finger pointing thing or anything it kept it all constructive and it and it's turned out really nicely yeah as you're as you're walking through that example a few things jump out to me like the first that jumps out is you want to consider how and when you're delivering the feedback as silly as it is people have egos actually that's not silly like people just have egos and there's going to be a different reaction if you call somebody out in a group meeting in front of their manager, in front of their peers, especially if you are junior to them in level or experience. Mm -hmm. Like there's just a dynamic there where it might embarrass them. Then there's, I think, a second element, which is have you put in the work to understand the problem itself? And I think this is what you're saying. Like you, you saw something that you didn't feel was right. You went away. You tried to figure out how to make it right. You came up with ideas, solutions. And I feel like that is deserving of more respect. I could see people maybe taking that as like, again, coming down to the ego thing. Like, oh, what? You can just redesign my stuff. But I think the process of like showing an investment in finding a solution yourself is more meaningful than just saying, I think that's bad. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good point to say, there are definitely people who will not agree with what I did. There are a lot of people who think, if you want to give me feedback, don't give me a solution. Like, don't don't come back and say, this is wrong. Here's how you should fix it. Just tell me that something's wrong. But there are also people who are like, if you're going to tell me something's wrong and then not help me fix it or not, like, give me at least a suggestion on how to you know do something alternate, then... Like, why are you even telling me anything at all? If you're, if you're just like going around pointing out problems and you're not going to help with the solutions. You know? I understand both arguments, but I think I skew towards preferring the latter. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's particularly useful. Here's an example. This happens all the time. Someone will say, 
this feels weird or that doesn't look quite right. And your response is like, okay, I'll keep playing with it. Mm -hmm. But it's, there's nothing concrete there. Like we got to get into something that's meaningful. And like, if you put in the work to say, I think it's weird because of this layout. What if it looked like this? Does this feel better? Like that feels like a more productive place to start the dialogue Mm. to have two things to point to and, and compare and contrast in my opinion. Yeah, I think when you, uh, and maybe this doesn't apply specifically to your situation, Kel, but if I show up to this the conversation with the work already done, it shortens that feedback loop too, right? If I just showed up and said, hey, I have issues, and they're like, well, how would you do it? And then, I, okay, well, let me go do it. Then you bust out Figma. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, I'll see you. I'll schedule another meeting a couple days from now when we both are free again. And, you know, it shortens that loop if you just come prepared already. And like you said, it shows like the dedication to actually like I, I'm spending my time on this. I'm not just coming in to like throw a wrench in the works. I'm, I'm here to try and help solve the problem. Maybe my solution is not right. And I, I very much said like, here's how I would do it. Use this stuff or don't. <laughs> I don't care. I had to get it out of my system. I needed to do this. If you don't like it, that's cool. I'm not offended, right? Yeah, like identifying or being clear about what your goals are in giving the feedback. I think this comes down to like how you pick your battles. I have this stuck in my head ever since Cap Watkins wrote a blog post. I think he called it the sliding scale of giving a fuck. I love that. I don't know what it is, but I love the the title already. Yeah, it's in any situation where you disagree with a decision being made, ask yourself, how much do I give a fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how many fucks do I give? You might find that if you are honest with yourself about many decisions, it's very few fucks, like maybe zero, maybe one. And then there's a very small subset of problems that are really important to you and you give a lot of fucks. And those, yeah, like escalate that. Like let's figure out, let's push harder to make sure this person who's more senior than me knows that this is an important decision. I disagree. I think they're making a mistake. But yeah, you got to pick that battle because in order to do that, you're going to be expending social capital. You're going to be using their time and your time. You're going to be throwing a wrench into processes, potentially processes that have been going on outside of your sort of scope of work, like with other teams or or other people that you might not necessarily be privy to. So yeah, you just got to be careful, I guess. Like this is comes down to, yes, people call this politics, right? Like this is organizational navigation of how do you choose the right time to speak up diplomacy understanding that you know shipping things tends to be better than waiting until it's perfect because nothing will ever be perfect like let's get it out the door we'll have a chance to iterate on this we'll get some data we'll get some user feedback and that tends to be a better way to start an argument than i don't like this or Mm -hmm. so i think we could bring it back to your original point about the socratic method here because you know, we're looking at this question. Cal, you've said, I'm a designer fresh out of college that works on a very small team. The beauty of the Socratic method is that you can just ask questions and learn the answers. And it might be the case that you're actually just learning something about design. So this is not a blanket statement that you know nothing. Jon Snow. But you've admitted that you're brand new. (laughs) So we should consider the possibility that there are things to be learned. And so for other people in this situation, like this is a great way to learn how things work without being kind of the uh, over eager, know-it-all junior designer fresh out of design school, if that <laughs> makes sense, without putting down junior designers. This is <laughs> this is tr- tricky water to tread here. But... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm 
100% guilty of this myself. Like, yeah. if I were... T- fuck, dude, two years ago. Like, the, the things that I thought were absolutely true two years ago, I've learned so much since then that it's like, oh, yeah, that past version of me was wrong and didn't know everything I thought he did, right? And I, that, that thing has happened enough that now I realize I just don't know anything. But uh-huh. um, th- it, it is definitely true that there were times when I put my foot down in the past and I, I thought that it was really fucking important. And then I learned more and I realized either it wasn't important or I was just straight up wrong, right? So, yeah, maybe you don't know everything. I, when I was straight out of college, I was a fucking idiot. So, I don't know. Maybe you're probably smarter yeah. than I was. But, um. uh, it's hard for me to say because I know everything, so I can't <laughs> yeah, really relate. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I feel the same way. And, yeah, it's like every year looking back and be like, oh, shit. <laughs> what did I do last year that was that bad? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good sign, by the way. Yeah. I feel like this kind of gets us into our next and and getting to the end of our points here, but we're dealing with humans here, right? These are interpersonal conversations about work. We have emotions and egos wrapped up in them. I know that's not necessarily a good thing. The work should stand on its own. I get it. But you have to understand that there's like this human dynamic of Maybe you're giving feedback to someone 10 years your senior, and there's a better way to do that that saves everybody a lot of embarrassment or grandstanding or digging in their heels so that they can try and save face. And so if you're evaluating the situation where you might be approaching it maybe a little too aggressively, I think there's still some other strategies. I think one easy one is if you have feedback about something in a critique, just wait till after the critique. Like, The meeting ends, y'all go sit back at your desks, slide your chair over and say, hey, I was just thinking in the meeting, I I didn't want to speak up because I was kind of processing, but what do you think about this? Or like, why did you arrive at that? Like, just do it afterwards, do it one-on-one. And if you Socratic method them into looking dumb, then it's been one-on-one. Like, that's a much better experience for the person receiving the feedback. Yeah, I I would say there's... When using the Socratic method, it's just as likely that they will make you look dumb as you will make them look dumb, right? Because as they answer questions, especially if they are senior to you, and especially if they are your manager, there's a likelihood that they are shielding you from some bullshit up the chain that you don't need to know about and they'll just make your life more stressful that they know about and they're shielding you from it. I, I refer to it as the, the shit umbrella, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And you're not knowing is, is a service they are providing to you. Uh, so again, I've had that happen before and uh, felt dumb. So sometimes it yeah. backfires, right? It does. Okay, and then I guess maybe as a last point, we should acknowledge that there is also a very high likelihood that you're giving feedback to somebody who might be an asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, is true. this could also be a scenario, right? Yep. I have seen this. There are people who are just jerks and difficult to work with. These are harder situations to navigate. Hopefully, you know, our Socratic method might be able to sort of poke holes at that barrier. But, you know, there's escape hatches here, like, organizations exist in certain ways for a reason to prevent people from getting stuck in a situation where they're powerless or or feel like they're just getting stomped on and this is like 360 review cycles you have the opportunity to provide peer feedback that will go directly to that person's manager so you have opportunities to like try and address interpersonal issues that way i think that's kind of a last resort for me i think i would prefer any interpersonal issues to be dealt with in person in the moment rather than be on a 
performance review, but you know, if, if things are particularly nasty, maybe this is something to talk about with your manager first. Yeah. So if I was going to tidy all this up into something with a nice little ribbon, it seems like we're suggesting uh, the Socratic method coming from a place of pure intention. Of curiosity and and yeah. openness. Yeah. Well, I hope that was helpful, Kel, yes. Let us know. I mean, this is one of those conversations where there's so many scenarios that people could say, well, I tried this and the other person sucked, or I tried this and it didn't go anywhere. Like, I think there will be plenty of exceptions here, but I think if we're looking for like general podcast advice for a scenario like this, I hope I hope this has been helpful. So let us know. But if we've missed anything, of course, tweet at us. Shoot us a DM if you have something specific that you want us to maybe address anonymously and follow up. We'd be happy to do that. All right, Brian, let's get on to some cool things. And then we're going to record an episode of Bonus Slam. Bonus, bonus Slam. Bonus bonus. Slam. <laughs> All right. It's going to happen. It's happening, everybody. Right after this. Keep an eye out for Bonus Land soon. All right. My cool thing this week. Okay, Marshall, we've talked about YouTube videos where it's videos of somebody who was deaf and they get like cochlear implants and they can hear for the first time or something like that, right? Yeah. You've seen also videos of people who are colorblind who put mm-hmm. on the glasses and it's like this powerful moment of being able to see color for the first time. I watched one just recently where it was an artist who was a painter. Oh, and what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think this is fascinating. Uh, I took a color blindness test and I don't have color blindness, but this is a thing that lots of people have. And a tweet came through my timeline from Kurt Varner Kurt said, I've known that I was colorblind for much of my life, and I had accepted that I would never experience the world in full color. That was until the day I received these glasses as a gift from my wife. And the glasses are called Enchroma. Mm-hmm. We'll have a link in the show notes, but it's enchroma.com. This is the coolest kind of technology for me. Mm-hmm. It's like sunglasses that provide color, like transforms the entire way someone might perceive the world around them. I think that's pretty magical. So I haven't used them or seen them, but I saw this tweet come through and I was like, damn, that's really cool. And then I suddenly got really interested in what it would be like to be a designer. I'm not exactly sure the type of colorblindness that Kurt has. Tritan, protan. Yeah, there's different kinds, but I could imagine like certain situations as a designer working on products where this would be a hindrance and how Kurt had navigated this up until now. Lots of questions. But anyways, so if, if you're hearing this and you have colorblindness, you've never taken a colorblindness test, uh, you should give it a try. I think it's more common in men than women. But if you do have it, maybe these glasses are something that would be useful for you. It might be worth checking out. They're not cheap, right? They're like two, $300? Yeah, but, you know, look at the upside. Yeah, yeah. The thing that fascinates me about these is how the brain maps what are essentially new inputs to words and everything. Like if you've never seen red before, it's like a foreign concept, right? You could you could only describe it using other colors, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like trying to describe a taste that you've never tasted before. Imagine having to map like, oh, oh, okay, this is what umami is. All right, all right, you know. I had that situation this week where I tried, okay, do you know how cashews are created or cashews are grown? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Are they a tree or a bush? Are they a, they're a legume, right? They, do they grow underground? No. Go. All right, dear listener, go to Google Images and search for cashew fruit. No, they're not in a fruit. <laughs> this is going to blow your mind. No. What? 
No, they look like a bell pepper or like an apple or something. Uh huh. This is how cashews are made by Mother Nature. Wait, they're and in the top part? They're not even in the fruit? And that fruit has its own unique taste. And so I got to try it this week. Cashew juice. And it was, I think this is more common in Brazil. But uh, yeah, designer on the team brought in a bottle of cashew juice and it was really pleasant. It was a very nice flavor. And I had no idea, not only that cashews grew in this bizarrely funky way, yeah, but also that the juice is a thing that exists. So anyways. <laughs> Man, I can't unsee this. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. To me, this when I saw this, I was like, Oh, that's why cashews are expensive. Got it. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of, Brian? Have you ever seen a pineapple farm? Yeah. Yeah. That was surprising. Yeah. If you've never if you don't know how pineapples are grown, it's a big ass bush and on the top of it is a single pineapple. <laughs> and when you see a farm, like a field of these things, it's just row after row of like a single a single pineapple, like up on a pedestal, <laughs> just waiting to be plucked. But like, that's yeah. why pineapple is so goddamn expensive is because like mm-hmm. you grow this whole plant just for one. Crazy. It looks so top heavy and awkward. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a stupid plant. Artificial selection it makes some weird looking fruit and animals. <laughs> yeah. Fucking dogs, dude. Yeah. Well, this was a nice tangent. Uh, but Marshall, hit me with your cool thing. This is a weird thing. Okay, so I was looking at a colleague's uh, screen the other day and she didn't have a menu bar at the top of her mac and i was like looking at a window i'm like oh no i saw the stoplight she's not full screen oh that was my first question yeah yeah i'm like what what kind of mode is she in because i know you can hide the dock right there's like automatically hiding the dock so i asked her and turns out you can hide the status bar the, the menu bar on mac how so go to system preferences yeah general uh-huh and in the top section, right under sidebar icon size, it says automatically hide and show the menu bar. <gasps> what the I've fuck? looked at this settings a million times. I've never seen this checkbox before. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. But why is it underneath the sidebar icon size label? Dude, I have no, this is probably why I never noticed it. Because I was like, oh, th- that's just a checkbox that has something to do with icon size. I don't Is care. that a setting for Finder? Yeah, it's a setting for Finder. It changes the finder icon size. Fascinating. Anyways, you can automatically hide and show the menu bar, Brian. And uh, I've been doing this for weeks now, and I will tell you that there are pros and there are cons. All right, hit me. Here's some pros. More pixels, more vertical pixels, (laughs) less visual noise, and it's like being full screen without the constraints that come along with full screen as far as like having to Uh four-finger swipe back and forth between spaces, blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about some cons, Brian. Yeah, because this is nice, but there's also like the menu bar is useful for reasons. Okay, so the same way that the dock is shown is you go to the bottom and you touch a bottom pixel on the bottom of the screen and then it pops up. Similar thing happens at the top. But the problem is in in an application like Chrome where you have tabs along the very top and you're trying to hit a tab and you overshoot and you hit the top edge of the screen. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So... Either you have to move your mouse away to get away from the menu so that it goes away and you can take another stab at clicking on the tab you want, or you have to thread the needle between the status bar that's down and the amount of tab that's showing under it and try and click on that thing. It's, it's not the best. So, so this, is, this is where Safari shines then, right? Sign, Safari has tabs underneath the, the like URL bar. Yeah, yeah, yep. 
I mean, it's not the end of the world, right? You still have like half the tab to click, but it is a uh, fits log on wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. I've hidden it and I've maximized the size of all of my windows and I'll see how long I can last here. Okay. Initial impressions. It looks nice, right? It looks real good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So sleek, so clean. So dear listener, take the plunge with us. See what you think. Hide that menu bar. <laughs> okay. That's it. Good, cool thing, Marshall. Thanks, buddy. I feel like I've spent so much time in system preferences trying to figure out exactly what I can customize to be exactly how I want it and just never notice this. There's only so much you can do, right? Yeah, There's only exactly. so much in there. How have I never seen it? Especially in general, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, general is the one. Like, that's it's the, the place you go. <laughs> the first place, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's it. This has been episode 335. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. If you enjoyed it and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash design details for just a dollar a month. You get access to a private RSS feed with uh, sponsor-free episodes as well as access to bonus land, bonus, bonus land, bonus land. Bonus land. I love what saying bonus land on Skype and watching you like, oh, like overreact like, <laughs> quickly, get, trying quick, to get, up, get yeah. one echo in. Yep. Anyways, that's all on uh, our Patreon. So thank you everyone supporting the show. Thank you. If you need more podcasts, yeah, go hit up spec.fm. That's our podcast network for designers and developers just like you or hit up uh, layout, hit up design life or 99% invisible. Our recommendations mm-hmm. from earlier. Hope you enjoy them. Otherwise, iTunes reviews mean a lot. Tells Apple that you're listening to the show and helps them recommend us to more designers like you. Keeps the show grown, keeps us happy. So iTunes reviews are deeply appreciated. But otherwise, just uh, tweet at us, talk to us. We love hearing from you. So until until next week, uh, have a good one. Bye. It's a question. Bye. Goodbye. I think. Grove Killen and T D er. This isn't a name. I feel like this is a company name or something. Uh, I mean it's someone's name, but there's an ampersand in it, and then there's a hyphen in it. <laughs> Maybe their middle name is Ampersand. If your first name is Grove Killen, your middle name is Ampersand, and your last name is T D hyphen E R, we gotta talk. <laughs> I need to know where you're from. <laughs> I mean, if your middle name was Ampersand Spelled out. Yeah, yeah. Spelled out, you would 100% shorten it to the character, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Fuck. I, I don't plan on having kids, Brian, but I know what their middle name would be if I did. Uh, what would their first name be? Helvetica? <laughs> no, no, no. no. It ha- it'd have to be something that works with and Bach. Oh. Uh, it'd be like here and Bach. <laughs> I'd name them here. Here ampersand Bach. Yeah, Holy here ampersand shit. Bach. I love it. Or right, no, cool. no, no. It'd be it'd be there ampersand Bach, and then I could have Virginia change her last name to again, again. and then we make it a hyphenate, <laughs> and then it's there and Bach again. Yeah, there we go. And then there's like a Hobbit, reference. a Hobbit story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>